kisses the last week of tech problems of tech problems with my shitty 2011 macbook okay that was pretty good Thank you. I was trying to remember the uh, thing to our own music, and then I faded us out. No, that was great. Good fade out. I didn't want to step on you, but I did uh, feel an urge to jump in when you said last week because I knew that there were like a few bars between the next. Uh, oh, and then we were no. like coming out a day after Monday, yeah, and so then they were like, "Oh God, uh, I didn't want it." To, yeah, I didn't want to feel like this uh, is the last week of uh, our lives or Vanessa the podcast. Needs or... to eventually hire help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and at the very least, replace that computer someday. No, we're on our way there. I uh, I found an alternative editing solution with my uh, work computer nice um and i mean here's the thing that is a 10 year old imac no more than 10 years i think at this point that's an 11 11 or 12 year old imac didn't you said 2008 oh fuck it's older than that yeah that's, it's a 2008 uh, like 14 IMAC. years old i think she's doing her best she's trying she's trying so hard she's, she's a I was going to say she's a workhorse. She's not. She gets very little work done. She's one of those horses uh, whose legs don't work anymore, but they just like... They, she's trying her damnedest. Yeah, they... She really is. Um, and uh, I, I've, I have done everything and added every single piece. You were with me when we added new RAM to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It like is maxed out wiped the hard drive and like upgraded everything. the RAM, and it's still just like not It's not better than before. It. Yeah. Um, the boot time is better the time for everything else is eternal and sad. And then sometimes it just doesn't open stuff. Um, but this isn't a podcast about how my computer sucks. <laughs> I mean, spiritually, it sort of is. Spiritually, it is. But that's the core of all things. This is a podcast uh, where we take two genres that frequently might be discredited for being schlocky or cheap or, you know, on the level of a B-movie and exalting them high up into the air because we love them in all of the forms they take from your A24s to your uh, B garbage days. And uh, we, we specifically, as the title says, kicking and screaming, take martial arts movies and horror movies and pair them together because we think they are two great tastes that taste great together. And often, if you like one, you'll probably like the other one. And uh, for whatever reason, those uh, fandoms don't always seem to intersect in the way that uh, you would expect them to. So we alternate challenging each other to find the perfect double feature pairing for either a horror or martial arts movie in the opposite genre. Uh, and, and we, and then we watch them and we talk about them uh, with, with y'all, yeah. our friends. Also something that we're going to start doing and let us know if you'd prefer it at the beginning or the end of the episode. Sorry. That was me trying not to burp into the microphone. I was being I such a good host. It was because you were like restraining the burp so much. I thought you were going to barf. I was going to barf straight <laughs> in the microphone. No. Um, let us know. We've been wanting to talk about like other pieces of media in addition to this of like what we've been consuming as of the lately. Um, I'm just trying to figure out from a listener experience if it would be more enjoyable from the top or the bottom of Yay. the show. Tweet at us at kickscreenpod. Let us know uh, how to structure things. Or Give like us. what way you would fight Elijah? Yeah, tell us uh, how what your combat strategy would be, uh, and also any suggestions for other little little segments. Uh, we we love little segments. <laughs> we love a little segment around here. Yeah. That's uh, why I like centipedes so much. They have so many little segments. I've played a similar game recently that's basically centipede but online. Centipede is the one uh the arcade cabinet had the like kind of like circular controller yeah. and you move around the outside of the Yeah. Yeah. 
But I played one in which everyone is playing it, and you eventually start running into each other's segments. Oh, wait, no. Are you thinking of Snake? I'm thinking of Snake. It's yeah. like Snake, but online. And you make big segments, and you start running into other people's segments. Oh, that's fun. No, um, I meant like the insect, just like an actual centipede. has a lot of little segments to its carapace. Crush like it. its little body. <laughs> I hate it. I hate bugs. Not all bugs. You know I like bugs and insects. I should clarify. I The reason I had such an immediate reaction is because I've lived in Texas. Um, and I cannot tell you how much fear i have felt not from any of the horror mo- horror movies that i'd watch by myself all the time because i'm a dumb dumb ass who would do things like watch funny games and martyrs even though i lived alone in the middle of the desert for like long stretches of time yeah, that's what you want uh it was because i'd wake up and find a long leggy thing on my ceiling above my toilet or something oh yeah uh in which i was just like well the bathroom belongs to this thing now uh, and it was never like things that I like, like a June bug or a good spider. It's like a big, long, wriggly guy with a bunch of legs and weird little sharp things at the face. And then they bite. Yeah. Hate it. I remember when I when I was living in Thailand, uh, for whatever reason, I didn't do and I just like didn't think to do any research as to like what insects uh, or creatures there may be like harmful. Uh, and. Often, like, when I'm living somewhere long-term, I will, like, take the time to learn, like, which spiders are venomous and, like, which ones are friends. Uh, And I just, like, forgot to do that while I was over there. And so I'd be walking occasionally, like, you know, nighttime uh, in Bangkok and just see, like, a low-hanging branch with a fucking enormous, (laughs) like, centipede or millipede. Just, like, some huge creature with a million legs that was, like, the size of my arm. And I would just look at it and be like, well... I hope it's fine. <laughs> and just kind of, just kind of inch on past it. And it's like, it looks like it could d- devour me if uh, it yeah. chose to. But I'm like, I got I got to just cross my fingers. I don't know. Yeah. Have I ever told you about the summer that my mother picked a spider over her children? No. What did? Oh, Goldie. So um, we were spending our summer uh, with family in Florida. And outside by the area that we played in, the biggest spider web I'd ever seen in my entire life with the biggest spider I'd ever seen just out in the wild in my entire life was out there. And I'm not using my hand as a comparison because I have tiny baby hands. It was the size of my father's hands. Oh, man. Um, Was it one of those ones that eats birds? It was a female golden orb spider. Golden orb weaver, I believe, is what they're called. It was long wide terrifying it was this black and yellow color that we all were like this is probably not great um truly massive spider and everyone was like get it away from the play area uh because children and then giant spider uh and my mom was like no her name is goldie (laughs) and we're like what i've named her and i guess when she does dishes she just likes looking at goldie because it's like down her yeah. eye line. And we're like, yes, glad you have a spider. I want to play. Um, and I'm a child. And you there's a big spider. You can play elsewhere. So that was her rule. Where it was like, I don't care if you're playing in my eye line. Don't bug Goldie. Yeah. So we'd like play and stuff like that. But like if a ball or something wandered there. Or if we wanted to use like the pool. Yeah. Or something in that area. Sorry, that's Goldie's area because no one wanted to come near her. And she just stayed there most. Of, like, that was just her web yeah, uh, for, out. for that time, literally until we left. I, I'm taking your mom's side on this. I think she was right. 
I don't think that you should have displaced Goldie. Uh, I, I she could have like lived anywhere else. I, you could have played anywhere else. She built a home there. You were just like playing with with Jacks or whatever, whatever children do. But she was by the pool in Marbles. the grass, <laughs> and I had to, I had to throw rocks into an old koi pond. I mean, that still sounds pretty dope. I don't know, man. I'm just saying. I, did, I didn't have a pool, and I turned out all right. All I had was spiders, <laughs> and I turned out all right. Uh, Wait, I'm pulling up a picture to show you. You're going to so show you know. me like a photo of Goldie? I'm all not right. going to show you a photo of Goldie. Nah, I, I don't a have a photo of Goldie, of Goldie. Okay. Um, but well, I have a photo of the underside of a female golden orb spider. Wow, that spider looks so cool. Does Listeners, it not look like should, a Resident Evil look creature? The spider. It looks beautiful. Uh no, I get it. I would I would absolutely be in favor of like preserving the spider's uh little little house. Um if we had one in the backyard, hell yeah. Blowtorch. Be my best friend. No. No, they're too cool. Yeah, they're too cool. Uh so if this is your first time listening, we don't usually have a bug segment. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we are gonna talk about But we about might. We Tell us what segments thing. you like. <laughs> no. What segments of a bug do you like? Thorax, yeah. carapace. What's your What's your favorite bug segment? Uh, no, my uh, it was it was my turn to choose this week, and uh, it was I I was reminded of it because uh, someone I I should have like uh, had this information handy, but someone in my in uh, the timeline uh, had had tweeted about it, just like a gift from it, like yeah, watching this movie again. Uh, was immediately reminded that I had seen it once years ago and and thought it ripped and then just like uh it had just fallen off my radar. I think I just like didn't own a physical copy of it for years and it wasn't streaming anywhere so it just kind of faded from memory. Uh but it was a combination of someone uh reminding me that this movie exists uh but also that we uh last week covered uh True Legend directed by Yuan Ping. Uh, and so I wanted to revisit uh, like an earlier film of his, uh, not earlier in his career, uh, but earlier than True Legend. Uh, and and also uh, I I had some some things in particular that I wanted to touch on with this movie. And it has a sick ass drum solo. And I figured you, Vanessa, who are getting into drums. Uh, would, would appreciate a drum would appreciate solo. A sick ass Thought drum a lot about solo. drums on my di- drive to work this morning. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, so I have chosen, uh, and I think last week I I said the wrong title because I uh, I'm pretty sure last week I said uh, Red Lion, which is a pub that I like. Yep, I think I was thinking of the Red Lion Tavern. Um, but also I just kind of confuse strong animals sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, you wolves, often do. Like bears. the other day we were being chased by a bear, and you were just like, "Oh no, a gorilla." <laughs> It's true. That's a real story that happened. <laughs> Don't try to verify it. Uh, but for for this week, uh, in in the kicking section of kicking and screaming, I've chosen. Oh, Vanessa you made the face. The I forgot. I got to sing the song. You got to sing That's the right, song because we're still having time. You got to sing the song because it's not until next week okay. that we get the uh, yep, new yep. work laptop uh, in. All right. So you, if this is your first episode, usually there's a cool little musical sting that goes right there that is edited in because we cannot edit right now. I got to sing like it. And it's like the grindhouse so, presentation yeah, music. So I, I have chosen. <laughs> Uh, Red Wolf? 
Red I wolf. literally almost just said lion again. Jesus Christ. I saw it in your eyes. I like I felt fear. I just felt terror because I didn't I couldn't remember which animal it was. I'm like it's one of the strong ones that bites you. Um Red Wolf is the movie that I have chosen. Directed by uh Yuan Wu Ping. Yes, uh who is probably uh most well known uh as a choreographer who did the fight choreography for The Matrix, Kill Bill, uh Fearless, uh, Fist of Legend, just a ton of uh, incredible stuff. Um, Basically, and... the entire shelf of the cool shit at the Airbnb. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great Jackie stuff. The shelf of cool shit at the Airbnb. That's a cool Airbnb. I would stay there. I've stayed in a lot of ones where I'm just kind of like, we would have gotten along. Nice. I do like that. Do you ever, uh, you ever check like uh, if the Airbnb has a smart TV, like what the recent YouTube searches are from like the previous uh, guests? Yeah. It's always fun for me. I feel like I get like a sense of what their trip is because it's either all like food stuff or like, you know, like EDM or something. Or and where I'm, they're going next where we're just like, oh, cool. They have like an entire place that they're going to yeah, afterwards. Yeah, true, true. Um, I think the one that I like knew exactly who stayed before me was I was staying at an Airbnb for the most like reason I was staying to write to like finish a thing that I was writing right um you know very like character writes themselves into the story in which they die because they're writing in a cabin somewhere and then I wanted to play some music on YouTube so I looked up what the people had googled before me and uh the first thing was offensive memes offensive memes and then the second thing who who takes the time to clarify specifically i want offensive ones the person that googles very offensive memes after that no they went they doubled down they went harder they're like these aren't offensive enough yes i need i need some real offensive memes and then very offensive memes this person wants like dark web memes they just like they don't know how to access the memes that they want. They need they like want, a Tor browser. Exactly. Like, they want I can has cheeseburger, but someone dies. <laughs> they want rotten.com memes. Very offensive. What a weird what a weird search. Also weird on like vacation to rent an Airbnb and be like, I need some memes that are that are gonna really trigger somebody that in addition to like three things is why i uh checked out of that airbnb early what were the other things i was freaked out by that airbnb yeah okay so first thing when i arrived is there's a p like it was a really cute one which is why it made the fact that there's like a weird old piece of exercise equipment at the end of the room weird and it wasn't just any exercise equipment it was supposed to like simulate riding a horse so that, like, if you were, like, somebody that rode a lot of horses, uh, it would, like, exercise it, like, those muscles. muscles? Okay. But it was basically just me sitting on, like, a giant hula hoop machine vibrating in a circle. And, like, it, huh. I, like, laughed about it. But then I was like, man, you put this somewhere when you want to see somebody, like, gyrate weird. Oh, and so I was shit. like, yeah. that feels weird. But I'm like, maybe it's just, you know, old exercise equipment. It always makes you jiggle and gyrate. So, like, I wrote it off. And then I found a pile of hula hoops under the bed, and I was just like, odd. 
And then at the and there were cameras everywhere, weren't there? Wait, to the left of the bed was this huge painting bolted to the wall. It wasn't like on the wall; it was bolted to the wall. And massive painting. That's not how you hang a painting. It was a bolted painting, and it looked like one of those big eyes girls. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. That artist. Um, uh, What the fuck is that artist's name? While you think of it, it was as big as a flat screen TV. It was like 70 something inches long. It was huge. Margaret Keene, by yes, the way. Yes, it was a Mar- it looked like a Margaret like I honestly think it was like a recreation of a Margaret right, right. Keene painting. Um but it I looked it up and it wasn't any of the Margaret Keene paintings that I knew, so it was just like a big-eyed lady. So it was like an Etsy purchase Margaret yeah, Keene painting. But it was something. also just like so weird looking and also it was next to the bed. Like the bed was in a weird nook. So I mm. have this painting like inches from me and I just I couldn't sleep with it staring at me. And so I like texted it to a friend uh, who currently, ho- not host, who currently produces the Unsolved Mysteries podcast. <laughs> so her brain right, is right. on like everything is sus all the time because uh, she used to produce a true crime podcast as well. And I was like, haha, hey, Caitlin, look at this weird fucked up painting near my bed. And she had seen me tweet a video of me on the horse machine being like, haha, look what I found. And about the hula hoops. And she went, hey, girl, not trying to freak you out or anything. I think there's a camera in your Airbnb. I was out so fast. Like, going 80 back to Los Angeles from the desert. Like, I blew out of that Airbnb. Yo, the combination Sorry, we were talking about Red Wolf and I went to this. No, just, like, the combination of money and... uh, depravity i don't know like the the intersection of like i can afford to own a property that i use full-time as a rental unit uh you know and i guess like also like your airbnb it so like you're you're generating income on it it's uh, but still like you you own property it is an empty space that you then rent out and you invest in like hidden cameras hula hoops and a, a little gyrate jiggly machine is like such a specific like kink or fetish like coming to fruition that someone is like i will build an entire physical space specifically for the purpose <gasps> of watching strangers hula hoop on I secret video one detail that i wrote off really fast yeah there was a drain under one of the rugs Oh, no. Okay, the reason I wrote it off is because it was in the middle of the desert and there were concrete floors. And concrete floors right, are so it's super like, common in the desert. Yeah, so it's like you just hose them off or whatever. It's the easy way to clean it. But so also, in my head, I was just like, that's why that's oh, there. No, I've lived a, in the desert before. Room. That's common. Nah, that's a kill <laughs> room for sure. Or maybe just like somebody is doing like jelly massage and they need a place to like hose it off. Right, there's I'm fluids going, that Occam's are coming razor is telling me body. it's more sex than murder. Yeah, I mean, well... I, Stop it. I'm just saying. It's, I'm never going to stay 50, in a not hotel again if we keep going with this. Tell me about fair. Red Wolf. Fuck. <laughs> right. Okay. Tell, tell you about Red Wolf. Uh, so Red Wolf is uh, very much in the diehard genre of films. Uh, it is uh, very much, I guess, under siege, which is itself uh, just like diehard on a boat. So uh, it's, you know, it, it would be fair to say this movie is under siege. It would also be fair to say that it is diehard on a boat. Um but one of the reasons that I love it is uh, that it it does everything that a diehard movie does, uh, and and it does all of those things well. It, it sets up, uh, you know, like 
uh, a tough guy uh, ex-cop who's like overqualified for the position that he's in uh he's a he's security head of security on this this cruise liner played by kenny ho uh yes uh who's in a ton of stuff uh who i am uh he's got a real leading guy face he does for sure and i the the english dub that we, that we watched that is on youtube uh the english dub does him so dirty by casting like a very charmless uh voice actor and, it's and big... he's clearly delivering things differently yeah and it's very it's very big like 90s uh english dub of anime uh, energy it's very oh, like yeah. goku yeah and and he's he, transforming he, he does he kind of has that energy where he's just like oh man get out of here and you're he like, crazy you're like, I think he's more charming than this that's a big one sorry he's in eastern condors that's the one i was trying to remember i had to pull up his youtube because i'm like i know there's see like a thing that time. i always see yeah. how i love you and i'm willing thank to buy you time thank you for vamping for me uh but no he uh he's a former cop uh, who his tragic backstory is like kind of incredible. He's he's eating dinner with his girlfriend at like a little outdoor cafe. It's brushed over so goddamn fast. Yeah, and a a guy comes uh r- running by with a knife doing some crime, and he stands up because he's he's a hero cop. And she's like, just leave it be. You're off duty. You don't need to inter- intervene. Let him go. Stop. And he's like, no, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stop him. Uh, so he. Oh no, he uh sorry, the guy has a has a gun. He he comes at him with a knife uh and he throws a knife at the guy's arm uh and like you know pretty pretty clearly like has a decent handle on the situation like he's not in danger of being shot. Uh but when he He's not. Yeah, when he knifes the guy in his arm, uh the gun goes off and uh kills his girlfriend and it's his fault for intervening and throwing the knife. Uh, this is like a 30 second little flashback, but that's his, that's all of his pathos and tragic origin, uh, which all we need, frankly, for a boat diehard. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, John McClane is divorced. This guy, uh, accidentally led to his partner being shot to death. Yeah. Uh, but who yeah. Who amongst us hasn't? Throw who the first hasn't. knife. hasn't? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he is now head of security on a, on a cruise liner. Uh, unfortunately, evil bad dudes in a very uh hans gruber uh sort of uh, terroristy way are uh they they kill the captain and they're hijacking the boat to steal uh uranium uh i believe it's uranium it's, it's uranium, uranium or plutonium yeah it's uranium i just okay. looked it up nice nice uh that is that is being stored and transported on the boat because uh you know they're bad guys they gotta get they their hands they shit. gotta get that sweet sweet uranium I feel like their uh their goals with the uranium are never like really spelled out if they're gonna like make a weapon with it or sell it mm-hmm. or like but like they want it. I for- I forget they why. They want it real bad. They're, yeah, they're gonna get it. Um but they uh they there's the, the you know, j- the the classic setup of like one man against uh impossible odds, uh, an elite squad of like armed to the teeth terrorists and uh, all set in a single contained location like a boat or a skyscraper, a Nakatomi Plaza type. Uh, and, and you see him persevering through, through grit and uh, g- clever thinking. Uh, there, there's some like fun little setups where he kind of like takes out different bad guys in different ways. Uh, that, like by setting little, little traps or like kind of, the, my my favorite one is uh, where he lures one into like a like a spa or like sauna area on the boat, 
and makes the floor super slippery with soapy water but he has a little like rubber bath mats on his shoes or like wrapped around his feet so he can he can walk on the slippery floor and the bad guy can't uh there's there's fun little you know him getting the upper hand through through grit and wiles uh but then there's also a bunch of sick ass fight scenes yeah there is and i i love a movie that takes uh something like die hard that i do genuinely consider like one of like a a peak uh example of what's the word i'm looking for that means peak example uh doesn't ultimate matter. example it's like a like an apex or a, i don't know there's a word that means like this is a, a really good example of that thing but landmark yeah, watermark i don't know i'll figure it out I'll, co- I'll come back to it but a movie uh like die hard that i do consider uh to be like exemplary of uh like american action filmmaking uh and that's you know outside of like uh martial arts films where the focus is on a touchstone uh, if you say so yeah a touchstone a hallmark uh, there's there's a lot of words. None of these are the one I was trying to think of, which is gonna drive me fucking crazy. Uh, but Die Hard, I like, uh, and you know, so say what you will uh, about Bruce Willis or any of the you know later films, whatever. The original Die Hard holds the fuck up. It's and, Bruce like, back when he tried, yeah, man. And we forget because we there's so much shitty DTV Bruce now that yeah. there was a time in Br- which Bruce Willis. Worked his fucking ass off on yeah, camera, yeah, and like w- turned in some some stellar performances. But also, you know, Hans Gruber is like an all time screen villain. the The script is super fucking tight. I kind of hate how much of uh, like diehard discourse in the past, you know, twenty years or whatever, has just become the obnoxious holiday like, part of it. Yeah, just the joke of like it's a Christmas movie. It's not a Christmas movie. There's two types of, meh. and it's like I I feel like I've seen so much of that that I I've seen comparably much less of just like people earnestly talking about how good it is and of course like there's you know a lot of it's that it's the but rambo it's just, effect yeah it's the rambo effect we forget you, that the first rambo movie is fucking incredible yeah you forget that the original slaps and and i do consider it genuinely like you know outside of like uh you know martial arts films with that you know like lengthy protracted well choreographed fight scenes uh just a like a western action movie one of one of the best ones and like best examples of you know like what an an american action film you know is or should look like it's such a such a good uh and and like compelling film and red wolf does so much of what die hard does uh very well obviously i'm like a lower budget and you know the the script uh maybe isn't as tight in some places uh the the English dub definitely doesn't help it, but most of like the major kind of thematic beats uh, still still work. Like the you know the action is still exciting, the suspense is still suspenseful. The physical the, comedy is very good, yeah, and also like, the leads are super charming. They're uh, very charming, and like something I have to say is it is very rare for this era of filmmaking, like especially in the late nineties. Um, for women to be the one behind physical comedy a lot yes. of the time. Yes. I love that she gets to be like both like sexy and a goofball. That she's like the, you know, kind of like romantic interest. She's very like 
you know, she's the uh, like, devil make hair femme fatale Karn artist. Yeah, she's actually she's a very good like live action Faye Valentine, honestly. Oh it's, like, my she's god, she's allowed to be like strong, sexy, a total clueless fuck up. Like she she gets to have she you really know, is each though. of these layers. In my mind, she might be the closest we've gotten to see to like a Faye Valentine, to where it's yeah. like I'll use my titties to get out of this, but also I'm a moron. Yeah, because uh, like there are several scenes in which she does like fake boxing, but it's like excellently done fake boxing. No, and it's like yeah, it's very. Very like cartoonish, but just like so so charming. Uh, no, she's, she's. I'm deeply in love with her by the end of the movie. Yeah, same. No, she's fantastic. Um, and I yeah, I do love that. Like, you know, usually you get kind of one or the other, uh, but I, I love that she gets to be all of these things. Uh, but no, it's like a, a very fun riff on a diehard, which you know itself I think is a, a very great. Uh, like template that you can kind of take and repeat. But this one's a New Year's movie. This one's a New Year's movie. It's also kind of Christmas. There's a Christmas tree in there. Um, And I I think, you know, this is a great format. You can keep repeating in different environments. You can do a diehard, you know, on a boat, on a space station, in a in a skyscraper, uh, probably in a you know supermarket. Supermarket, yeah, you can for sure do a supermarket diehard. Uh, the White House, we've had we've had some of those. My dad's obsessed um, with all of them. They're they're pretty fun. Every diehard in so a White House movie. So bizarre, but like, <laughs> yeah. Because, like, here's the thing. I think the reason my dad likes jingoistic movies is because he understands none of it. Right. No, because, like, your dad does not have an ounce of, like, nationalism for, like, you know, the United States. So he just, just likes like, a well-organized team. Yeah, he's just like, hey, those guys, <laughs> these guys are moving. Uh, no, I, I love that. But, no, it's it's a great repeatable format for movies. Uh, and I think that Red Wolf fucking slaps because it does all of the diehard shit really well and then also gives you lengthy sick ass martial arts fight scenes that never feel out of place and it like really does uh feel like it's such a like such a statement in terms of like why why not do this why why do diehard movies not have these like why do why do fights in so many like western or like american action movies kind of suck why are they you know shot like shot poorly, edited poorly by like non, you know, screen fighters, but also just like not even attempted to like choreo them very well. It's a lot of just like he's going to throw a big, strong punch. He's going to throw one big right haymaker. Guess how I kept myself from guess what I kept myself from being annoying about today. Huh? Because you know me. Oh. And sometimes people could just be like they'll just say like an inflammatory thing about a movie and I just appear. Right. In this case, somebody approached me while I was eating my lunch. I was eating my whole sandwich and they just approached me to say they love the fight choreo in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. No, no. You know when someone's just baiting me? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's <laughs> motherfucker dropped the ball on Batman so hard. He sh- shoots a whole ass fucking first act of a first film about how Bruce traveled to a bunch of ambiguously Southeast Asian countries to learn all of the greatest martial arts in the world. And then for the choreography, he chose Casey, uh, K-A-Y-S-I, something like that. A bullshit system of self-defense started by two con artists that very quickly folded Despite being the at the time official quote unquote martial art of like big screen Batman, it was still such a a, a non 
thing that it like was not able to continue being practiced or sold to gullible rubes and strip malls. I politely uh, requested Batman Way of the Dragon instead. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's a better one. Uh, you know the uh, the Batman Shredder fight from the animated Turtles Batman crossover is, is pretty sweet. I think I've talked about it before. No, there's so many better examples of Batman fighting the Nolan the ones are like series. Yeah, the Nolan ones are objectively the worst choreo that Batman has ever had because it was nothing. It's a, I don't think anything's gonna ever touch the animated series though. The the entire you can't do perfect twice. The the basis of Casey was like uh they they had a, a basic stance that they uh compared to the statue of the thinker. What? Uh where and it was like oh yeah you're like in this position to like defend while also attacking with elbows and it was just like it was just a worse version of anything that already exists in like boxing or kickboxing. Or At least any Dim other. Mac keeps your head up. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least Dim Mac promises to kill you instantly with hidden pressure points. Casey promises bullshit and delivers less. Like if you're going to give me fake martial arts, I want my brains to leak out of my eyes yeah. because you slapped me weird. Like, if you're making shit up anyways, make up something cooler, dude. Be like, yeah, I can pull your spine out. I'm going to choose not if to. If I touch I your could. armpit here, your dick explodes. Yeah. And then just be like, don't do it. I, I did have a guy try to show me Dim Mac once. And it was, <laughs> it was incredible. It was outside of a diner. It was, uh, And it was, it was great because he like just struck up conversation while we were like out on the patio smoking. And uh, my, my brother was uh, smoking. He came out, bummed a cigarette, and then uh, started talking about how he's a martial artist. And we're like, oh, shit, what a coincidence. So are we. Uh, and he was telling us about how he, he does Dip Mac. And he kept uh, trying to... I was, like, being so, like, you know, yo, I'm, I'm down to learn. I, I love, like, learning new systems. What can you show me from this thing that you're into? Uh, and he kept just, like, tapping me places and being like, I don't, I don't want to... Like, I can't, like, do it. If I do it too hard, it'll, like it'll be super bad it'll like shut down your central nervous system so i can't like i can't like do it too hard but it would be like and then you just kind of like shove my shoulder a little bit and be like i'd tap you like like that do you feel like a little bit do you feel like some and i it's just like no i don't i feel nothing and so you do it a little bit harder and be like i can't do, i can't do it harder than that or you could die you could die and so i finally had to just be like yeah no i'm feeling it now it's for sure working <laughs> But I, I really love uh, a, a discipline in which the central conceit is I can't ever prove to you that it's working because if I did, it would kill everyone. Yeah, that is exactly what every 12-year-old has ever studied in. God, yeah, right? It's 12-year-olds and then the worst dude at every party that whose hands are registered as lethal weapons. I just thought of writing a horror short in which the child does accidentally kill the other child. Oh, that's so good. We're going to make it. That's fun. I like that. We're writing this to our uh, thinking pad. Anyways, Red Wolf. Uh, <laughs> no, something that I love about it is that the fight slap and it doesn't. It doesn't feel out of place. Like, you've got an action movie. You've got a guy who, you know, he's a security guy. He's a former cop. And, like, by all rights, should be tough and good at fighting. Uh, you've got the bad guys who are, you know, trained killers, whatever. Uh, of course, they should be good at fighting. And it's fantastic. Like, the, the final fight scene fucking rules. There's a bunch of, like, incredible uh, jumping spin kicks from uh, the amazing Colin Cho, who also has like one of the best fight scenes of all time with Donnie Yen and Flashpoint. I've screamed every single time it happened. I 
couldn't believe how many fucking rotations he did in the air. Yeah, it's an it's an incredible kick where he jumps, uh, does a full rotation, lands on the same leg that he jumped with, and then like spin kicks with the other leg. It's so sick. Uh, they like at one point, uh, he, the the lead is set on fire. They're like you know they smash through tables. It's such a such a stellar brawl, and it. Uh, the movie has like a bunch of sweet set pieces too. I talked earlier about the sauna one uh, with the slippery floors. They also electrify part of the boat and their plan is to like force him up against like the metal pipe that is electrified. Uh, and I love electric boat bare knuckle fist fight. Especially 90s electricity. Yeah, it's such a like cool like Mortal Kombat level of a thing. Uh, and I, I love that the movie does this without ever, you know, feeling a need to be like, uh, yes, I trained for 10 years on the mountain of blah, blah, blah. Like, you can just have people be good at fighting. You could just have a lounge singer that's also an incredible martial artist and one of the most sadistic on-screen villains I have ever seen. Oh, God, she's so... Elaine? <laughs> she's so good. Okay, so <laughs> Elijah's laughing. having a heart attack, and yep. she's like, have a heart attack faster, you fucking nerd. <laughs> and, she, and she points a gun at him and is like, yeah, yeah, have that heart attack. Get scared. And then they're like do something and she shoots him in the chest so that he doesn't have a heart attack yeah she's like there i stopped his heart from being from doing that and then she uh, kills a mother in front of her child no she i don't think she ends up killing that mom does she i think that she like gets interrupted but she's gonna make someone else cut her face and it's a whole no but then she kills the mom does she kill the mom oh that's right because they kind of it's maybe implied that that's just their kid at the end because both her parents die and then like they just leave and they so a con artist and her uncle are now her parents. Yeah. Which is which is cool. They seem like they're going to be good parents. They seem like they're going to be good parents to her. But yeah, she kills like a lot of people in very sadistic ways. But is also like a good singer. Um, so that's how she gets into cruises, I guess, as she steals uranium. Yeah, she gets uranium. booked as the, the headlining act and then is secretly a villainess. A silver jacket wearing villainess. And, oh, that um, jacket slaps. So she's one of the most sadistic on-screen villains I've ever seen. Only next to the second in command who uh, kills the captain with her in the movie. Um, this movie does something which is tries very hard to make us hate the villains. Yeah. So that we can have a better time. Because at no point does it want to be dour or scary. But it wants to do crazy gory shit. And in order to do so and to gain your trust as the audience, uh, they want to make you hate bad guy real bad. So... The way Elaine is dispatched is so fucking good. She So she has a cartoon fight first. Yeah. And I, I, I do love even like the choreo in that fight because it does a good job of demonstrating someone who is like obviously not like well trained or especially good at fighting, but just down to scrap and fighting for their life. Uh, wonderful con artist. Yeah. Fake and, boxing and goofing off. Yeah. And they, they, they have a super fun fight because it's very clear that Elaine is the more competent and capable fighter, but also uh, our, our con artist gal is willing to, you know, like grab a, a lead pipe off the floor and swing it into her leg and like to, you know, throw shit at her face. It's really it's like, well choreographed yeah. for the obvious disparity in ability. Right. It does a good job of showing you like, oh, this person is much better at fighting, but don't count this one out. She could still win, you know? It is both don't count it out. She could still win because she clearly wants to survive and she's got like elements of street smarts to her. But it's also, there's a lot of like, believable and perfectly worked in accidents like yeah. oh she slipped oh this thing fell and that's where it feels cartoon right 
it's actually it's a very it's a very good example of a thing that I don't see like portrayed in a uh, film that often, which is the the any given day rule, which is that like on any given day, any person could lose a fight to any other person, regardless of like yep. size or skill disparity, because there are so many variables in a fight where it's like, you know, nine hundred ninety nine times out of a thousand, you know, I'm I'm gonna lose a fight to uh, you know, like a professional like UFC heavyweight or whatever. But depending on like where and when and how, there's a chance like, oh, he's sick that day and, and he got I'm distracted. And I'm gonna put too much stock like, in that hope. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, I I feel like it's a hard thing to like portray in a film in a believable way. But it's like such a real thing in the world. Like I I you know myself like there I have uh tapped a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner who is empirically so much better i'm like still very much a white belt and he was like maybe a brown or purple but had been in it for years and is like incredible brazilian jiu-jitsu and very much that any given day thing where he was like not taking me super seriously and kind of playing around got a little bit distracted by something and then i got a choke that he was a little slow to respond to and afterwards he was furious he was like that's that that almost doesn't count and i'm like i'm I'm counting it but like it's a really hard thing to portray in film because you have to kind of have these like established hierarchies of power. And I think that this fight does a great job of showing like, no, nah, she's scrappy and just happened to like get lucky and get the upper hand. Can I tell you the any given day thing that I've been coasting off since I was twenty five? Is it that you can beat an emperor penguin in a fight? It's not that I could beat an emperor okay. penguin, it's that I threw a golden gloves boxer into some bushes. <laughs> That's pretty good. He would. I would never win in a fight against him. Right, ever. right. But we were play fighting. Uh, he was kind of tipsy, and I was annoyed. And he wasn't expecting me to finally retaliate. And uh, he play kicked me because he's much taller than me, uh, like a little bit lower than my shoulder. And I turned around, grabbed his ankle, and shoved him back with all of my might. Yes. Uh, and threw him into some bushes in front of an Outback Steakhouse. It's so good. Yeah. And that's the thing. We're I'm like, still, it's been five years and I won't let it go. No. And like, there, there absolutely could be these moments of like someone uh, vastly underestimating the person that they're fighting, also like maybe not being used to fighting next to some bushes or whatever. Like, there's so many little variables. Uh, this fight does a great job of that and then has the best ending oh my god and the best death in the movie for sure so uh after getting covered in some shit our our beautiful con artist enchantress takes this moment to set elaine on fucking fire and any other movie elaine is just on fire and then she yeah it's like a can of paint thinner or something i forget like what falls some like some glue or it was something industrial it was industrial goop and uh she lights elaine ablaze and elaine is on fire and alive for so long. For so long. Think of like how long you've ever seen somebody be on fire and alive in a movie right. and then like triple that number. Like like the the shot that we can all picture of the stunt person who is, you know, wearing like the protective suit and covered like head to toe in the gel. Yeah, not like a midsummer like... up close. No, no, just like the scene that like when you think of like a stunt man being set on fire, like whole body, the one you picture where they're like arms in the air running and like, whoa, and then they fall to the ground and roll. Or they like jump in a pool. Or... Yeah. But times it by three times it by three and you're starting to get close <laughs> to the and first it, time you see it and the best N- shit the first time there, other characters then have conversation like dialogue takes place while she is in the room on the ground still gently burning and in the background going ah, 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 ah. 
And it'll like it'll come back to her, and it's like mostly burned itself out. But, but she's her, like reaching her, out. Her legs are still a little on fire, and she's just going. <laughs> and it's just like we should probably go to. And, and in like, the background of it, <laughs> and then they they leave the room. Cuts back to her. She's just smoldering now, but still alive, still a little bit on fire. And it's, you're like, she's definitely dead off screen. I was like wheeze laughing through the it fucking rules. It's what it's like immediately one of my favorite action movie deaths because it is so preposterously drawn out. You think she dies off screen? Yeah. Like ten minutes pass. Another character finds her. She's still fucking burning. That's right. Her the, she's like the that main, trash. The Colin show, like main bad guy finds her and is heartbroken to see her suffering like this, and then finally puts her out of her misery. <laughs> it is so. Which so I also absurd. just realized without realizing it that there's another similar scene in the movie I paired this with. Oh yeah, no, you you nailed this pairing. This might um, be the hardest we've ever nailed a pairing. Yeah, no, these two movies back to back, they are they are very much the same movie, except one is a martial arts movie, one is a horror movie. Otherwise, they they are the same. It, like when when I said this was a repeatable format, like it fully is that format, just in two different genres, uh, which which I love. Uh, I I have to pee so bad and I thought we can't edit this episode so nope. I just I usually I would like give a signal and we would pause and edit it out later I f- I just had to say it on air So Vanessa, now we have to sing it off as Vanessa, our pee break gotta... sponsored by the cats oh. pee break pee break Elijah's going on a pee break We're, We're back, back from, from a pee break pee break, pee break. <laughs> I uh, we like I, fall break around here. Yeah, I didn't realize that we could still pause and unpause. If I had known that, I probably would have still just given a signal and not and announced. been discreet about yeah, it. I wouldn't have intentionally instead announced of yelling. Everyone. I have to pee. I panicked. I was so flustered. It's I definitely apologize. more than a hundred people. Yeah, I apologize to all of our listeners uh, that that you had to hear me in that state, and I apologize for the for the potty talk <laughs> and the song. The potty song. <laughs> the potty song. I'm gonna put drums uh, and guitar to that. Oh, you're gonna edit that. You're gonna no. you're gonna edit that. Like gonna, in the future. You're gonna, you're gonna get. You're gonna and go, then make it a song sting that I use. Figure out Look, a... actually, what I really want to do is buy myself a roadcaster because then I can literally just create the podcast from the board as I do it. It's pretty nice. I start recording. I hit theme song button. We go into recording. Whenever we need the other thing, I push it in, oh, and then so I have cool. things saved like an air horn or a yeah. baby crying. Or a kung fu guy sound. If you get if you get an air horn button, then uh, Luke Lloyd can finally start commenting again on a regular basis. I'm literally <laughs> considering getting a side gig just to get myself the roadcaster, like a just a two week thing. That's a good. Where like move. in one paycheck, I afford the roadcaster. If if you are listening and you uh, have openings for uh, side hustles that require uh, martial arts ability, let me know. I'm not saying that I will be. Oh, you're gonna earn us that roadcaster. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. No. I've Fine. Always... If you want a picture of Elijah's ding ding, uh, yeah, we need no. to get sign, the roadcaster. Sign up for my OnlyFans or. 
He doesn't have one. I don't so just have send one. him a text. I'm <laughs> giving him permission. I'm <laughs> giving Elijah permission to sell pictures of his ding ding to get us a roadcaster because of how bad I want one. I'm serious. Gonna Look be a at lot me. Of, gonna if be a somebody lot of on the internet refunds. offers you $75 for a picture of your ding ding <laughs> after this episode, okay, you sold. do it. You do it. Even yeah. for 20 If you just do it a couple times. <laughs> what is there like a cutoff point where I'm not allowed to? Is no, <laughs> five is too little. Okay, like, I'm not allowed to for five. I'm Good. I'm serious. If that gets <laughs> this family closer to a roadcaster for its podcasting, you sell that ding ding. You yeah, sell no, that ding okay. ding for this uh, podcast. <laughs> I mean, I definitely. Down. Hi, Grandma. Uh, <laughs> hi, Grandma. <laughs> um, I would I would prefer the the first thing where I'm a cool fighter for hire. Uh, but I mean. Yeah, sex work, it's all good. As long as we get the roadcaster, I'm down. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not you know, I'm I'm not picky. Uh But two. Yeah, no, that's on offer. Uh <laughs> let's let's get back to the movies. Where you just keep naming parts. Uh no So the final fight. The final fight. Final fight fucking slaps. Uh, this this movie has some fantastic deaths, some great fight scenes, and again, it it is very much Die Hard, but it's like, hey, there's no reason that Die Hard can't have like a ten minute brawl at the end, uh, and and I just feel like, I don't know, I I wish more films uh understood that i wish more uh, western and like american action movies realize that like you can you can still do all the like kung fu movie stuff it doesn't have to be you know like a, a training montage and like you know you, you don't need a lot of exposition for why a tough guy is good at fighting they don't just have to throw big clumsy haymakers just throw the clumsy haymaker just well don't throw the clumsy haymaker throw a skill no no no. i meant like the like throw it out have to believe (laughs) just do it like i don't need an explanation for why yeah yeah your bodyguard is like incredible at a a screama or you have like a jujitsu master for your waiter yeah oh one of the sorry this is dumb i may have even mentioned this on the podcast at one point uh i i watched the the guy Ritchie film uh wrath of man with jason statham uh solid action movie fun stuff there is a henchman in that film uh, who very visibly has super intense cauliflower ear. And I was like, oh, shit, that guy's going to have a sick ass fight scene uh, for any listeners who are, who are not aware. Uh, cauliflower ear is a thing that uh, can happen to your ear from like. Uh, I, I forget the exact uh, biological reasons. It's like uh, capillaries or blood vessels bursting or whatever, but it's basically like prolonged tissue j- damage over uh, an extended period of time, usually from uh, a grappling. It's most commonly seen in like grapplers because uh, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu or wrestlers, uh, they get a lot of pressure on their ears, basically. Some I saw like, it on Chuck Adele. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of UFC fighters, a lot of like professional fighters will have this. And it's usually like if someone is is squeezing uh, your, your neck or your head or your jaw and you're trying to slide your head painfully out of this like intense pressure and it's just uh, mashing your ears and crunching them up. Uh, sometimes boxers will get it too from like, you know, just repeated pressure and uh, trauma to the ears. But usually, like, uh, all this to say, the only people in the world with cauliflower ear are people who have put many, many, many hours into training to fight. Uh, So when you see a guy in a movie who has really severe cauliflower ear, you're like, 
that dude is a high level martial artist. He has a ton of fight training and experience. And then that dude like didn't have a second scene. He was never he was never in a fist fight as far as I remember. He probably was like shot uh, off off screen or something. And I was so frustrated at the casting of clearly a skilled martial artist. It felt like such a weird unintentional red herring that I kept waiting for this cool fight scene that never came up. Maybe that guy uh, got into like a stupid bar fight. And he's like, God damn it, this is the worst thing I could have done for my career. I've got cauliflower ear. Now who's going to hire me? And then he walks into a Guy Ritchie audition. You, you think it was the result of one fight in which his head was squeezed so hard? Yeah. That he, and he's like, I'm not a fighter. I'm never going to work <laughs> again. And then he auditions for a Guy Ritchie yeah. movie. And he's like, this man is perfect. Oh, that makes sense. I think that's probably what was happening. I think that uh, is what happened. And I think you know it. Yeah. Anyways, more more movies need to take a page from Red Wolf's book. Uh, and also... I almost forgot the drum solo. Last last thing before we move on to movie number two. Oh my the God. drum solo. We... The sick as fuck drum solo. Um, when you told me that it was a drum solo, I did not know that it was just a drum. Like, I thought you meant right. like on a snare no, drum like or like the, on a table. And it's not like in the context of like a song or a band. It's just a dude at drums alone in a room no not alone because there's a child with dynamite strapped to her chest dangling, uh, from, dangling the from the ceiling with the switch in her foot yep well he just fucking tears up that drum kit just going hard it's like what if Ringo Starr was evil yeah no and I, I love this now scene he's a better drummer than Ringo <laughs> that's true the best uh, drummer in the Beatles isn't even Ringo isn't even Ringo uh, but no I, I love the scene because like the first time I saw it I was like damn he plays a solo to like get himself hyped before a fight that's pretty cool yeah. like he's just like rocking on some fucking drums to be like yeah yeah getting pumped up getting my heart rate up uh for some reason like seeing it this time i i realized that uh it's it reads as the uh eccentric villain like alone in a room knowing that there's like an inevitable confrontation coming and choosing to do like a weird artsy thing and if it was Hans Gruber playing a piano, it would be like, yeah, that makes sense. He's an intelligent, like he's a he's a psychopath and he's like this weird, intense, cold dude. And like he's sitting there like playing a piano to show that he's brilliant or like Hannibal Lecter, like playing a, or like, you know, a, a harpsichord or something. Yeah. Or like if uh, if Bill from Kill Bill was strumming out a sad tune on an acoustic guitar or a violin. Oh, yeah. Violin's a good one. There's a lot of we uh, instruments. I almost said weapons that work well for a villain to be like doing a weird somber solo on uh, drums. Not one of them. drums <laughs> suggests a level of confidence that I've yet to see. Yeah. Drums is a dude who knows that he can spin three times in the air before he kicks you. And he's just fucking stoked about that. He's like, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. This little kid's going to explode. I'm then gonna I'm going to play Wipeout. Uranium, and then I'm going to play Wipeout. <laughs> and I, I immediately started like thinking of other villains doing sick-ass solos. And Sorry, that face was just because I realized what I want more than anything in the world right now is to look up videos of guys doing drum solos on Wipeout. Oh, yeah. We're, we'll do that we'll after We'll do this. that after. We want <laughs> we would do it on the recording uh but yeah no i just i i realize there's certain instruments at work and and ones that don't uh i think that uh an electric guitar solo probably doesn't work no. Ma maybe, maybe depends on like what effects they have maybe it's a sentai villain 
Oh, that's so true. Or if it's the uh, killer from Slumber Party Massacre 2 or, or 3, the drill killer. Uh, oh, yeah. Wait. All right. No, walk it back. Hold on. Does he play an electric guitar in Blood Moon? Or Wait. do I just like superimpose an electric guitar into that movie? Because that Cause movie is like a Sentai so villain, hard. too. Yeah. I, Does anybody I, remember if he played a guitar solo? We've got to listen to the episode again. It's weird. Or just watch Blood Moon I feel again. like I've, I've seen Blood Moon a hundred times. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, I remember Darren Shalavi shredding an electric guitar solo while wearing that phantom mask. But I'm like, maybe that's just like a dream that I've had. Uh, okay. We're walking it back on that. Electric walking guitar back. totally back. works. Uh, accordion. Ooh, accordion Unless is a he's hard like an Italian one. guy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I immediately was thinking like sea shanty, like pirate captain, and I'm like, no, it's Triangle. too Scooby. It's too Scooby Doo. Uh, but if he's like an Italian mafioso, like and like yeah. he owns a restaurant, and he's sitting alone at the booth in the back, and there's like one dim light overhead, like yeah, and he's like playing works. like a sad song. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Xylophone, xylophone. Ooh, xylophone or Glockenspiel. Always um, stupid. I I always think of the uh, the Violent Femmes, uh, Gone Daddy Gone, uh, Glockenspiel solo, uh, because it. It rips. Uh, I just, I was, it is really good. I was going to try to sing it, and I'm like, I can't sing a, a xylophone solo. Um, but, like, I even that one, which in my mind is the apex of, like, being cool on a cool glockenspiel, uh, glockenspiel uh, which I, my understanding is that if it's made of metal, it's a glockenspiel, and if it's made of wood, it's a xylophone. Uh, but they're, like, otherwise very similar. Uh but yeah, I don't think it's possible to do that one in like a cool menacing way. I don't think you yeah. can be a villain that's going like. All right, so it's a guy in a xylophone. Yeah, I think that's maybe the lamest one, or a solo trumpet. No. No. Imagine if a guy played like Louis Armstrong. Yeah, that's true. And actually, you can play taps on a trumpet, so yeah. that's that's ominous. No, no, yeah, I know trumpets can be scary. Yeah. I had a friend who uh, whose job in the military was playing trumpets at funerals, and I guess it turns out they don't actually play taps. They uh, just put a little like recording in the trumpet, and it's to like prevent mistakes at funerals of like high-ranking officers or whatever. Uh, but their recording started skipping, and they were like, you know, it was kind of like drilled into our heads that like you don't break kayfabe, like no matter what. And mine started like skipping and playing the same two notes over and over. So I had to fake a seizure. <laughs> I had to just be like, oh, I'm freaking out. No, <laughs> I can only play these notes and, until someone like dragged them out, <laughs> which is absurd. Uh, Vanessa, what did what did you choose uh, as a as a horror film to pair with Red Wolf? The movie I have selected to pair with Red Wolf is. That was pretty good. Thank you. I like that. I have seen it a zillion times. Uh, I picked Deep Rising, which is a movie I've actually done a podcast about before. Oh, shit. With Olivia, back when we had Lowest Common Phenominator. You know, it would be incredible if you had, if you just played the recording of that podcast but like just your sections into the microphone no but and I'm you... smarter now <laughs> okay fair enough that, it would have been so good though if like just as a bit you were like click <laughs> <laughs> here's what I have to say um no Olivia is actually the person that introduced that movie to me and I had a real where has this been all my life moment the reason we watched it was we were supposed to do an episode about us um not us the movie us right Jordan that we were gonna do us. like on release and um I got really motion sick uh yeah. because i took a giant edible 
uh, <laughs> and sat in the front row. Um, didn't intend to sit in the front row. I have just, for some reason, been late to every single Jordan Peele movie. Don't know why. So I've sat in the front row for all of them. Uh, but we race home. We end up not being able to record, but we decided to watch a movie. And she's like, at the beginning of Us, there's that like title card about the tunnel systems. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it just like starts the movie. And she's like, there's a similar thing in this movie I love called Deep Rising. And I tell her I've never heard of it. Um, it proceeds to become one of my favorite things I've ever seen. And uh, Josh uh, Levesque, I'm so sorry if I mispronounced your last name, replied to this tweet about it with exactly my sentiments about Deep Rising. It is a movie that in my 20s, when I was like more of a nitpicky a-hole, I probably would have torn apart in like my early 20s. And like discovering it now and then like being at being 30 and like, I don't know holding things to less of like this higher not necessarily higher standard not willing to let myself have fun i think that's the easiest way i could say it not willing to let myself have fun when everything isn't perfect well this this has been i i think it's very much like a like uh maturing and and growing up kind of thing but also uh we we are from you know the the generation that had the you know kind of 90s culture of like apathy is cool that became the early 2000s culture of like being contrary and being edgy and being an outlier is cool and so it this is why this actually sucks right so there's like the very like contrarian thing yeah but like there was very much like this affectation of like too cool for school where we all kind of thought that like oh if i'm a person who likes film you know like the, the the rules of the current like pop culture landscape and like film discussion landscape dictate that like I have to be a little pretentious, <laughs> essentially. I have to be, like, kind of an asshole about it. And I, I feel like we're finally, like, moving away from that. And it's cool to just be earnest and enjoy things again. It's. I feel like it's just, I mean, there are many, many things that attributed to this. But it's why it feels like we've lost the mid-budget blockbuster. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a level of, like, corniness in which it's, like, yes, it's following something formulaic. Because in this case, it's doing Alien. Right, right. But because it does it for less money, it has a charm to it. And yeah. I feel like many mid-budget blockbusters hit that note of, like, your fucking Zoros and shit. Yeah, uh, it's true. Where it's, like, not, uh, you know, like a like a script or performances that are uh, gonna, uh, you know, be taught in film school. It's not or some whatever. fucking James Cameron movie, but because it's trying to, like, aim for one of those things, and it does that, like, by-the-numbers formula of, like, a mid-budget adventure it has this charm and uniqueness by not being that. And it's a little weirder at the edges. Yes. No, absolutely. And uh, also alien, another great repeatable format for movies. You can do alien in a lot of settings and it's always going to shred. Critters in space is just alien. Yeah, no, it's true. Like, yeah, the specifically the first one, I feel like you can just keep making the first alien uh, in, you know, pretty much wherever. Uh, and, and it's going to be a great time. It works every single time. Yeah. And in this case it's alien, but, uh, on a cruise ship. Big boat. On a cruise ship on Chinese New Year's. Yeah. In which a femme fatale con artist. Yeah. Steals some jewels. Yeah. And then a big incident happens. Involving some uh, some gun for hire types, some uh, trained killers perhaps. some. Uh, All the while, those gun for hires being shuttled by a real leading man type, uh, Treat Williams to be yes. exact, who is basically just a uh, Nathan Fillion prototype. Yeah, uh, as he's, a weird he's the, he's the blueprint they're basically firefly in a boat yeah no they are and i think that's why uh the character of the engineer the uh the mechanic 
like I forgive me for this I could not wrap my head around what his fucking deal was <laughs> because I like I couldn't figure out what archetype of guy he was supposed to be like th- they're all very like stock characters which is is dope uh and, and i love it you're like oh yeah that's my you know that's my my leading man he's gonna have charmy quips and he's 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 a real he's a han solo uh this dude was like not quite like a tortured genius mechanic from what i understand he he's maybe not necessarily great at it he's not he's, he's not, not a wash though. but he's like a wash if wash was passed through a couple filters of like of Polly like Shore. bobcat Polly shorthwaite yeah bobcat Polly shorthwaite that's that's a hundred percent and i f- i forget that this was maybe it's because it's been so long it's since like, I've i'm in a yeah and it's been so long since i've revisited any of like those that niche of 90s comedy of like the your poly shores and whatnot that i forget that it that that's a type of stock dude that we used to have so i was like not ready for him man he's like he's shaggy from scooby-doo if if he just sucked (laughs) like i feel like he never he never quite has a funny one-liner he's got a great girlfriend though he's got a great girlfriend every time someone in the movie says a negative thing about him he just s- tragically agrees that it's the funniest parts of the movie to me when someone's like, you got a real big fucking mouth, you know that? And he just goes, yeah. And there's no like comeback. He's just like, you're right. I will say he has a couple <laughs> great moments at the end. Yeah. What are, what are, what are his standout moments at the end? Without spoiling too much. Uh, I mean, it's fine when he gives the gun to that uh, oh, sergeant, yeah, that like that's rules. a pretty great moment and for him. Yeah, he's because like, don't say literally... I never gave you nothing. Yeah, yes, like it's literally a moment in the movie in which you get the exact like shoot her to put her out of her misery scene from the previous one, except he's being eaten by like the tentacle of these like what they think are several sea creatures uh, infesting the cruise ship, uh, and he's being eaten alive, and so he like offers him the gun to be like. Hey man, you've been nothing but hostile and horrible this entire time, but don't say I never gave you nothing. Yeah. And then he fucking shoots one bullet at him as he walks away and he's like, Oh come on. Yeah, he's and like, like he's got funny rage to yeah, it. Yeah, it is pretty good. It's like he does it very well. That's a good scene for him. Uh and the best part is that there's no bullets left after that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a great scene. And I will say, like, the actor uh playing him is great and like is like, you know, doing a great job with the role. I was just like struggling to figure out I, I think Bobcat Shorthwaite is is the the intersection that I was missing. <laughs> Which, by the way, um, thank you, Heather Buckley, for that retweet. Heather retweeted me talking about this movie on Twitter and pointed out that it really was one of the first times you saw a marriage of practical and SFX on screen this way. That's it was really true. one of the first yeah, times yeah. You, you see them together like, like the this CG and not so much the, yeah. one or the other. Um, because the CG... Holds towards the, the end, fuck up. you know, a little goofy, but, like, holds up for most of the movie. Shockingly well. Like the animators on this film were fucking killing it given like when this movie is from 98 yeah and like what the like the rest of it looks like you're very much expecting like yeah it's gonna be some like reptile from mortal Kombat type shit and then it slaps like it still looks better than some stuff that i've seen recently yeah like shit produced by netflix in the last year yeah like when you see the whole creature obviously it's very hard to like right. in 98 get some of the shadowing work that would need to be done for the entire like on thing. that scale yeah, on like for that sure. scale but when it's like a tentacle in a room 
they yeah. it, it really does look good. No, it reads. And obviously the practicals are incredible. They're done by Rob Botton, who most yes. of you know as he did the fucking thing. Um, and so you get these great goopy skeletons and these decomposition scenes. And th- there's a lot of moments in which like the practicals are there and you can touch them and hear them and they look amazing. Yeah. No, I uh, also I, I realized uh, we we both forgot to do the thing that we usually do when it's a first time watch for one of us. That's like, what did you think? Uh, what, what did, did you, you think? What did you think of Red Wolf? I loved Red Wolf. Red Wolf site. Uh, no. Okay. So this is uh, this is another one that like upon watching it, uh, and I've I've had a few of these on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, we should we should never feel uh, ashamed or embarrassed for not being like familiar with a classic, uh, well known or cult favorite thing. Uh, you know, because not everyone has seen everything, and sometimes you just uh, have these gaps in knowledge. Uh, so I'm not like ashamed that this was my first time seeing it but i am uh it's one of those like like i had with waxwork uh where i'm immediately like frustrated because i'm like yo i should have already seen this 10 times i should have been watching it every few years for a decade uh and it's so frustrating to me that that it wasn't and uh the thing i will say that i'm embarrassed about i never knew what this movie was and any time I've ever heard someone talk about the movie Deep Rising, I thought it was just like like a boat disaster. I thought it was just a movie about like like a perfect storm type where they they built a boat and then like there's probably a hurricane or something and a grizzled old uh, captain is like, uh, these bastards, I told them not to build this boat, but now I'm their only hope. And like, I don't care as much about movies where there's a, a boat in the rain. And not like treat and thumb gay running around a boat yeah. with guns like i literally i didn't know that it was guns and mercenaries and sea monsters and shit this rules i thought <laughs> I, I, like i don't know why in my head i was like yeah deep rising it's maybe some like political espionage something on a boat but no i kept a, looking at you the whole movie it fucking ruled and there's so many like legitimately stellar set pieces uh similarly yeah. to to red wolf where it's like yeah there there are elements of it that are very clearly like you know kind of a kind of a low budget genre thing but then there are these moments of like standout super creative beautiful visuals uh the hallway of gore it's like a oh hallway. the digestive system hallway yeah the hallway that's just have like decomposed bodies the the walls just covered in gore and viscera and then tentacles start crunching the hallway in from the mm-hmm. outside is such a cool fucking set piece it's such a haunting or the dissolving guy oh my god yeah they get him like out of the belly of one of the tentacles so it's like he's like halfway through the digestive tract and his head is halfway melted oh it's so good or one of my favorite, like, bigger set pieces, the goddamn jet ski exit. Yes, jet ski. Okay, do you, do you want to, like, run through, like, the, the plot quickly? Because we're okay. saying a lot of cool shit, but we got to let people know why this cool shit's happening in case they're right. still on the fence. So there are some fucking sea mercenaries, and I think they want, like, some utonium or whatever, or the, bombs. It's literally no, also weapons. No, no, there's... Uh, so they were hired... The, a guy... Oh uh, no, they have fancy weapons. A guy, they have fancy weapons for sure. They have like uh, warheads and very cool machine this guns. This is how much I'm a, there for the sea monster. Right? No, I I remember it uh, very clearly because I saw it for the first time yesterday. Uh, a a dumbass uh, whose dream, his lifelong dream, for as long as he could remember, for whatever reason, was to build a big ass pleasure boat. 
and he does that right 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 and then uh immediately realizes uh to the chagrin of all of his investors that it is an unsustainable business model the boat costs so much just to keep afloat that there is no way they will ever make their money back uh he's trying to burn it down yeah except for the possibility of a huge insurance payout so it's like the the uh inaugural launch of this pleasure cruise and he has hired a ragtag group of mercenaries uh real real anti-social types uh who you know barely tolerate working together and they always got knives to each other's throats uh and they're from all over the world and, I and love a very it. young demon hantu that's right yeah yeah uh they were hired uh to uh blow up the boat and everyone you know in the perfect version of the plan was going to evacuate safely on the lifeboats and it was like oh no criminals and pirates uh destroyed our boat and we get all of our insurance money back everybody wins uh, the mercenaries hire Treat Williams, who's very much Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon, but he just does shady boat jobs. Yep. Uh, very much in the way that I'm I'm trying to do shady fight jobs. He's I guess he just hangs out around the pier and people or sell are, your ding ding. Or or yeah, either way. <laughs> people people show up and they're like, Hey, I need you to take me somewhere on a boat and you're not allowed to ask why. And he's like, Say cool. less. <laughs> so so they they show up on the boat uh only to find that everyone uh has already been killed uh all of the signals and communications have been jammed uh and there are tentacles uh all over the ship ripping people up uh turns out uh and and i do love that they keep saying it's like infested by a swarm of these creatures and then you find out at the end it's one it's one big kraken it's one big kraken and each one of these was just one of its tentacles um Uh, and then all the while you have a gorgeous con artist being played by pumpkin johnson johnson i can never figure out um who uh is stuck on the boat because she was locked up in the not brig the brig and uh, eventually joins Treat's crew because they killed off one of my favorite characters far too soon. Um, I believe her name was Lena or uh, Lena. She was the second in command and she's yeah. the guy's girlfriend. And she's like a pretty cool character. And yeah, Very I do cool feel like she, she exits far too soon. Yeah, I've, there was no reason to kill her off there. Uh, that that was like a frustrating point in the film because they like set her up as like a very cool character and then she's really unceremoniously just kind of like whipped out by a tentacle. You get like nothing afterwards too. I, I very much wanted more for her. Yeah. Um, but uh, eventually all of the crew gets picked off by these creatures one by one. They usually just explode in a rain of blood. Yeah, I mean there's, there's some pretty great kills and and sequences uh one of my favorite ones is where a character is being like whipped around a room by a tentacle the room is like flooded so he's like halfway underwater and every time the tentacle smashes him into like an object in the room there's a big splash of like red in the water oh yeah he's just being like fucking squished to death it's just juicing him and i just really love how much like impact and violence they convey in like a really like smart way because it's just a big like a, a bunch of red in the water you don't have to do like a like big practical effect it of it's feels like his head brutal bursting. yeah it's like it's so vicious that you're watching him get smashed into stuff and just like oh fuck it's it's ripping him up uh no that, that one was awesome uh and there's there's a jet ski there's a jet ski that really feels like resident evil at some point um just just this jet ski exit from a creature yeah um and uh, p- 
a, a moment of delicious irony in which the uh, owner of the boat. Right. The uh, guy whose fault it is, essentially. Tries to jump into Treat Williams' boat ship um, and snaps his leg on impact. We get some gore on that one, too. And uh, does not realize that they set it to autopilot to detonate inside the cruise ship that he just yeah. laboriously escaped from. No, I, I really I really love that because uh, uh, similarly, the, another like fantastic parallel between the movies, they create a villain who is so like uh, shamelessly and egregiously evil because th- they're all working together to escape. And like at no point is anyone like, as soon as we get out of here... I'm going to, I'm going to kill you for this boat. Like literally like they're all just in the same, in the same boat at this point. Except these two motherfuckers. And, and well, this, this dude is, they're all running from tentacles. (laughs) They're all like, we're going to get out of here. And for no discernible reason, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to split off from them and actively try to sabotage all of them. Like, I want to escape while killing Treat Williams and the rest. He can't have any witnesses. Right. I guess it's like, yeah, to avoid going to prison. He's still thinking about, like, y'all collect insurance and go back to life as usual after this Kraken attack. But yeah, uh, a reprehensible dude. And then you have to watch him shatter his leg, limp to the controls of the boat, and for so long believe that he's going to escape with a very smug kind of, like, uh, my leg is falling off, but it's all going to be worth it. Uh, only to realize that he's about to blow up. He's, he's set on course for exploding inside of a Kraken. So good. Um, so no matter what happened, he ended up inside of a Kraken. Yeah. Even if it was like through osmosis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I was going to make the immature joke about being inside of it. Uh, in what way, Elijah? In what way would he be inside the Kraken? Because the boat crashed crashed into it, like you said. That's the way you said it. No, I will say, though, uh, you, you had said this while we were watching. You were like, you know, there are moments in this film where it feels uh, like perilously close to being hentai uh, just because of the tentacles uh, <laughs> aggressively uh, coming at everybody. But there's one in particular in which a woman is, like, sitting on a toilet and it maybe like it pulls her through the toilet, which is a hilarious kill. But also the first part of that is that she's sitting on a toilet and then a tentacle reaches up through it and grabs her. And like that's that's definitely a thing that has happened in a, a hentai animation. That's at some definitely point. never like, happened in one of my novellas <laughs> that, that you write under a, a pen name as you try desperately to save up enough money to buy our uh, our mixer. No, I just write them for fun. Oh, you don't even sell those? They're just... No, no that's my journal. That's my dream journal. <laughs> that's my dream journal. <laughs> nice. I would like to read it. Uh, no, thank you for introducing me to Deep Rising. I'm so happy. This movie rocks. Tell me tell me your favorite favorite things about Deep Rising. I want to hear, hear you talk about this movie. I mean, those I've beautiful robot effects. Um, <laughs> I really love Pumpkin in this. She's just on fire through the whole movie. She's having more fun than everybody else is. Yeah. And her, her flirtation with Treat is, is super fun because they they have relatively few, like, scenes together before they're both... Like, their their romance is definitely, like, it, it moves real fast. But <laughs> We're going to die. You want to bang? We're used to banging everyone. Yeah, but they're, like, their little expressions of flirtation are, like, cute enough that I'm like, oh, you kids. Like, I just, I believe it. 
And uh, <laughs> I actually really do love it in terms of like some early CGI because it just reminds me of a time when like CGI was more like adventurous and playful and it was like stretching the imagination as opposed to like this will be cheaper in post. Um, It it was seeing it merged with practicals in this way was like, man, I wish it was often done to like extend the limits of imagination based on which practicals can't do as opposed to just like, and you don't get me wrong. They're incredible people doing CGI. Like everything Weta touches is gorgeous. The planet of the apes movies, like the mocap suits on those, those are amazing. And like, that's the kind of thing where, I like seeing those like universes expanded. It's just, I want to see them married more. Yeah, I, I never think about that, but you're right. That's like kind of what the early promise of CG was. Cause if Jurassic you think of like Jurassic Park. Park, yeah, I was going to say, it's like you have these incredible animatronics and then there's like a limit to what we can do with a physical build. And beyond that, we extend it to CG. Uh, but yeah, then it just became the default cause it's cheaper, which is a shame. So that was that's the other thing I, I, I tend to think about. And I don't know, just also realizing that uh, I should be open to more things because a different me might have not had as much fun with this as the me I was when I first saw it. Oh, and it's so good. Because I love me a Kraken. Yeah. I love me a sea monster. And it legitimately just so many scenes of like creativity and uh, fantastic visuals. There's so many standout moments that like, yeah, even in what is ostensibly a B movie, they're just like scenes that are, I mean, all timers are just fucking rad. Like, I don't know, shotgun, shotgun blasting a kraken while riding a jet ski through a flooded cruise ship, shooting it in the eye. Yeah, the initial three shot at the beginning because he's got a harpoon gun. Oh yeah, that's right, his little harpoon gun. God, no, this movie is fucking cool, man. The the huge like feeding ground that they, they find that's oh, just yeah. where all of the bodies from the entire cruise ship end up. And it's just this like palace of gore. It's so good. So uh, that's why we're calling this the Holy Ship double feature. That's pretty good. That it, We are calling it that. I agree. Get it? Like <laughs> I, I agree with you. Like yeah. ship. Holy, holy ship, guys. Uh, no, this was by far my favorite double feature that i've ever watched about really? big boats uh my favorite big boat double feature hell yeah i was trying i was trying to think if there are any other big boat double features that i have watched but this this would be hard to top uh no they they pair so well together too i would like i genuinely feel like you could like program this double feature uh and and uh people would have a great time um i think i know what I would serve at this double feature. Calamari, of course. Calamari and Baked Alaska. What is Baked Alaska? Okay, so both of them are things that you can find a lot of on a cruise ship. Okay. Like cruise ship buffets and things. Yeah. Calamari, because old people love fried seafood. Yeah. Um, And Baked Alaska, because it's like an old bougie dessert, and it's usually something that you'd see. Like, I saw as a child on, Uh like, a cruise ship with my family. Um, The only place I've ever had a Baked Alaska was a cruise ship. And basically what that is, it's a Neapolitan ice cream covered in uh, egg, like meringue. And then it's uh, covered in like 
booze and then set on fire so that the meringue cooks in the fire, but the ice cream is still solid. Oh, so you get like a crispy shell. Baked with the, yeah, Alaska. Yeah. Gotcha. So you have two things that are ubiquitous on, on cruise ship, and then you have calamari for the Kraken, and then you have baked Alaska for the lady that was on fire for most of the movie. Because uh, baked Alaska has to be on fire for a really long time before you enjoy really it. Good. So it's both a cruise ship food. I was trying food, to find the, yeah, and nailed it. You got the lady on fire the whole time. Baked Damn. Alaska and calamari. Good this call. actually is something I would eat the shit out of because calamari is the only way you can get me to eat squid. Oh, that's true. Which is disappointing to me. I eat so many other things. No, I know. I'm not. It's not like that's a like point of contention in our marriage. I just love squid so much. I know it's a, it's the the inverse of pickles. Uh, can't stand oh, yeah. a pickle. Sorry, that's Elijah's being things. actively slapped by our cat right yeah, now, so we need to really wrap. She's literally telling you to shut the hell up. She's done. She's sick of my voice. <laughs> so, Elijah, I guess it's my pick next week. It is what you got. You got to you, you what you got on deck. Do I pick horror? Do I pick martial arts? It's Wait, your turn. What? Also, real quick, a thing we used to do and uh forget to do now. If uh the okay, if the lead from Red Wolf and the lead from Deep Rising got into a fight, who would win? Treat would, is dying. I mean, I he's he's a tough guy. He's got a lot of swagger and bravado and he's not afraid of those mercenaries i think so i think they seduce each other they're like wait a minute this is like looking into a charming mirror uh what about strong jaws what about if the bad guy from red wolf had to fight the kraken from deep rising you can't distract me for long (laughs) also the bad guy's winning which one colin cho from red wolf colin cho you think you think he can beat? I think the he could beat a kraken. I to think, death. honestly, I think he could beat a kraken too. I feel like no one in this film was like nearly on his level. I think he would get hyped with a sick ass drum solo and then spin kick the shit out of that sensor. kraken. Sensor is your is your pick? Yeah. All right. That's gonna be the movie that came pair. out about video nasties that we saw yeah. at that film festival that is now out on streaming yeah. no i i love censor uh the, immediately like ooh, that's gonna be tough to to pair i'll tell yeah i got some yeah i'll figure it out <laughs> <laughs> where can the people find you oh you can find me on uh twitter i'm at elijah underscore pizza you can find my ad in craigslist if you need to hire me to punch someone <laughs> Uh, Vanessa, where can the people find you? You can find me under NESS Guerrero and SENS Guerrero on uh, Twitter and Instagram in that order. Yep. I was going to say one's Twitter, one's Instagram. I realized once I got through it, I was like, how am I going to land this plane? And then that's how I landed this plane. Respectively. Uh, Respectively, and probably something, one of those on TikTok. I forget. Uh, Additionally, you can find me on twitch.tv slash G4TV every Tuesday and Wednesday on Vibe Check and The Loop. Uh, and uh, you can find the show under Kick Screen Pod on all forms of social media. And we love hearing from you. I'm trying to check it more these days. Um, you're likely going to hear more from Elijah than me, um, just because I'm usually a Kathy cartoon. I'm just yelling act and I'm running around. Uh, but uh, as always, we love we you. Love bye. You, bye.